Five o'clock in Pirate Country, and 94.3 The Game is going to get you home with the P-Man. In five, four, three, two, one. Lock it in. Turn it up. It's time for the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. This is the flagship station of the ECU Pirates. And now, Patrick Johnson with today's Pirate Report on the flagship station of the ECU Pirates, 94.3 The Game. Great to have you on this ride home on the last day of June and what a uh, first six months of the year it has been. Pirate Report starting things today. We've got a lot to get to and we will get to all of the other day's news coming up in just a little bit. Plus Brian Mull talking golf with us. So stay tuned for all of that. Yesterday, you might remember we brought you some of the numbers that were released from the weekend. We quoted the Orlando Sentinel report, which talked about UCF getting some seven and a half million dollars of revenue. Cincinnati getting over six million. ECU was in the three point three three eight neighborhood there, sort of the lower third, if you will, of uh, revenue. John Gilbert appearing earlier today on the Talk of the Town program with Henry Hinton and Trent McGee on our sister stations, 1037 WTIB and the New Talk 96.3. And he discussed those numbers and why they fleshed out as they did and uh, talked about the uh, NCAA revenue and the TV revenue and how all of that uh, played a part in uh, the uh, numbers. Uh, and bowl games. So a uh, very interesting conversation. We're going to bring you excerpts of it. Let's start with that question about the monies in that report put out by the American and why ECU was where it was compared to its brethren in the AAC. There is a consistent distribution as it relates to media rights, sponsorships, all those dollars. The difference in the dollars that you reference largely are football, bowl, participants and NCAA uh, basketball participants. And so the the way the NCAA basketball tournament distribution works, they pay in arrears. So, you, you know, they're getting distributions off the last two, three years. And so those schools that are uh, up towards the end have NCAA basketball postseason numbers. I, I'm actually pleased with where the number is. The, the way it works... It's, it's higher than we've ever received before, right? It, it, it Well, I'm assuming so, yes. Yeah. I don't know that. I, I would assume that is the yeah. case. Because there's more ESPN money in Th- it. That's right. right. Now, next year will be the new contract distribution. So we'll get... Uh, hopefully more than double that assuming mm-hmm. that everything uh you know plays out like we hope that it will um but i am pleased with the distribution this year because what we were really anticipating a a larger hit that is a combination of both the NCAA and the AAC distribution. And so the NCAA distribution was down, no basketball tournament this year. Right. The AAC portion of the distribution was up. We're, we're probably net down, you know, somewhere between half a million and 800,000 in that bucket, which I would tell you is a good number based on what we were projecting going into it. So I'm pleased with the number. All right, from there, the uh, attention, as you heard Henry uh, start to interject uh, with his question, the 
Uh, the attention turned to ECU's $40 million budget. So while that uh, $3.3 million number was a, a high watermark, at least in recent times for ECU and its media rights deal and its conference affiliation and the NCAA, uh, it still is just a small part of uh, what makes the uh, Pirate Athletics budget go around. So they discussed the athletic budget, which is in the uh, $43 million range now for ECU Athletics. The cost of doing business on a daily basis, like I wouldn't, I wouldn't call us extravagant. Uh, we're in the bottom third of our league uh, in overall budget. Uh, and our coaches, like, you know, the way our coaches are compensated across the board, mm-hmm. we're, we're in the bottom third of the league. Yeah, so, we normally lead the league in football attendance, or we traditionally have. We, we do. It, it just speaks to the value of our fan base and yeah, how right. how passionate they are. All right, we're leading off the Patrick Johnson Show with our Pirate Report today. John Gilbert earlier on the Talk of the Town program with Henry Hinton and Trent McGee. Uh, the director of athletics talking about the the need to have fans in the stands for uh, the football season and presently what that may look like in a uh, given scenario, a multiple amount of scenarios that are being considered now by uh, the conference and also by the uh, Pirate Athletic Department. I'm hopeful we're going to play football in the fall. I, I think we'll have a really good picture of that um i'm gonna say late july july 20th to august 1 i think we'll have a really good idea of what that's going to look like you know right now today i think we're going to play football now what what i can't tell you today is what the stands will look like and we're preparing for a multitude of scenarios you know we're we're preparing for you know no fans in the stands which would be really uh devastating you know for a lot of reasons uh we're preparing for a limited capacity so maybe a 50 percent capacity uh i think that's doable uh that would make sense for us you know a plan like that would essentially mean we're not selling any more tickets like our our season ticket base would be able to get into the stadium our players families students in uh, in some visiting team, we could make that work, and so there are a multitude of scenarios like that that we're that, working that, through now. Is that the likely scenario? I, you know, probably. I I don't see a scenario in the fall where it is. You know, we're opening the gates and saying y'all come. Mm-hmm. I, I think it is going to be a limited capacity crowd, which is going to have an effect on every institution in this country. Uh, big schools on down, which means if you want to get in, you better buy season tickets. Yes, it's, yeah, it's a good season ticket promotion. Yeah, yes, it is. <laughs> uh, but but it it is, um, you know, the the realities of what that are financially. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's going to be a difficult scenario. Some of the highlights from this morning's Talk of the Town appearance by John Gilbert uh, here on the Patrick Johnson Show, part of our Pirate Report to start things. Uh, John was. Uh, Talking about kind of the the current times, the college athletic departments, not just ECU, but, you know, low majors, uh, even high majors and the P5, uh, the so-called P5 are facing right now. Every institution across the country is looking at this year as a survival year. There's not going to be a year where 
uh, we're, we're going to generate uh, excess revenue. It, it is going to be a year that we are going to do everything we can to survive. But I would tell you the the biggest schools that roll off your tongue, you know, I saw today on a, uh, a listserv that a lot of the athletic directors are on that the University of Michigan was uh, projecting a $28 million deficit this year. Wow. This year alone, Michigan. Well, when you got it, you, you, they sell 105 tickets uh, to 105,000 tickets every football game. That, that's right. <laughs> and, and, and so I think we're all going to be in survival mode, and all of us are cutting expenses as best we can to make sure that we can survive. A lot of talk about regionalizing schedules, maybe even regionalizing conferences, uh, conference scheduling alliances between leagues. John Gilbert talked about uh, the reason you won't see uh, a realignment in a sense because of uh, the almighty TV dollar, but for the non-revenue sports, it could make some sense. When you look at uh, big TV contracts, Big Ten, SEC, ACC, they are all based on football and men's basketball. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, they televise the other content of other sports, but they're making their money off of those two sports. If if you go to a complete regional uh, package, then I don't think the TV dollars are what they are for the big schools. And so what I do think can happen is outside of football and men's and women's basketball, I do think we should look at regional scheduling for everything else. Uh, It makes too much sense. All these sports that we have do not generate revenue to cover themselves. And they're really important to each school. They bring a lot of value to uh, the community and the region, etc. But we put them on a plane and fly them to, you know, Houston and Philadelphia and all these places to compete when financially that does not make sense. And I would argue from a student athlete well-being standpoint, you know, we could put our student athletes on a bus and go compete in one day and come back. Mm-hmm. They can sleep in their own bed. They can still not miss as many classes. Those things make a lot of sense. As part of all the reductions that we've done over the last several months, we have implemented a non-conference regional uh competition mm-hmm. uh, protocol in place where other than I believe two sports men's and women's basketball we both have um, a return of a non-conference back end of a home and home that we have to uh, take care of everything else will be on a regional basis meaning uh, all those individuals will get on a bus to compete so do I hear you saying that you think that it would that regional conference realignment would not happen for football and basketball but there's a good chance it would for other sports i I don't know if i would say it's realignment per se but but i could see some model where in uh football and men's and women's basketball we are in the aac Mm -hmm. but in every other sport we're playing in the and i'm just making up a name we're we're playing in the mid-atlantic region right and our region is you know, Southern Virginia, North Carolina, and the northern part of South Carolina. Mm-hmm. You you could create for 
um, a lot of our sports a pretty competitive schedule. The question about uh, the sports that were cut back earlier in the summer, men's and women's tennis, men's and women's swimming came up in the sense that men, or rather uh, swimming, uh, alumni have rallied, others have rallied, friends of the, that program uh, have rallied to try to put money in and uh, inject money to resurrect the swimming program. Uh, John Gilbert addressed that with Henry earlier this morning. Number one, it's been very difficult for a lot of people. Um, You know, our alumni of all our sports, uh, our coaches, our former coaches, uh, incoming student athletes. I mean, it, it has affected a lot of people and I don't take that lightly. Like, um, it bothers me. Uh, I don't like it one bit myself. Uh, but I also understand the realities of where we are financially. And so as we looked at everything uh, across the board, uh, you know, we did a lot of things, uh, you know, not just um, eliminate sports. Uh, We cut operating budgets. So I mentioned earlier before we're in the bottom third of you know the AAC and budgets yet we we all want to compete at the highest level so we cut our operating budgets uh, anywhere from 10 to 20 percent we reduced our departmental budget uh, so like the compliance office the um, event management office the facility office we reduced their budgets as well we froze multiple positions we did a department furlough where uh, everyone from uh, Mike Houston on down, they're taking five days of uh, unpaid leave this summer. Uh, that'll save us $300,000. So, and, and you're probably not going to speak to this, but I have been told that you have taken a reduction in your salary to the tune of over $100,000. Uh, yes, I have. And I, and I, I felt like that you know, I needed to play a part and I needed to play a significant part in that. Uh, again, not not something that I wanted how did, to how did do. You, how did you break that to Mrs. Gilbert? Well, well uh, <laughs> we, we, we talked about it um, and, and she she understood. I mean, yeah. she is a, you know, she's a former college right. swimmer and right. she's a former college uh, oh, swimming forgot. coach. She was a, she, I forgot she was uh, a swimmer. So I live with a swimmer and, yeah. and I would also tell you swimming is probably the reason that I was able to get into intercollegiate athletics. You know, we we moved to to Alabama so she could be a swim coach there. So um, I'm well versed in the swimming world uh, in my household. And so we did all those things and we knew that the deficits were so large that by doing all those things and eliminating four sports programs, it still wasn't enough. You know, you look at our tennis program between men's and women's tennis, you know, their budget was a million dollars. Men's and women's swimming, diving all in, their budget, it's right between 1.6 and 1.7 million a year. So you look at those two combined, that's 2.7 to athletics and uh, we, we realize that, you know, there are student athletes that pay tuition and all those things to campus, but it's still a campus transfer to, to cover everything. And we know next year, going into next year, pre-COVID, we were uh, expecting a five and a half million dollar deficit. 
So we felt like we were trending in the right direction from a revenue standpoint. When COVID hit, we're we're experience, we're expecting anywhere between a ten to twelve million dollar deficit, and that's assuming we're playing football in the fall with people. Wow. So if we add back, uh, you know, sports. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you you know that ten to twelve million dollar deficit, that deficit's now at fourteen million, right. and, and so uh, we don't cover in the pirate club all the total cost of scholarships. So our total scholarship bill last year was eight point eight million. Pirate club covered about five point three. So between athletics and the institution, that's where the other deficit was covered on scholarships. So all the reductions that we've made that I've just mentioned, they were made to reduce our debt. We're not getting any savings, like we're not reinvesting those dollars into something else. We're trying to eliminate our debt because we right. can't afford to do what it's we're not doing. Like you're taking money from swimming and giving it to somebody else. Uh, and, and of course, the, there is, uh, as I said, there's a, um, um, a kind of a grassroots effort to save it. Yeah. And they are. And I even heard that there maybe there's a million dollar donor who's coming forth. But would, would that have to be a million every year? I mean, it would be you'd need that one point six to one point seven million per year, correct? Well, well, to to fund it, yes. Yeah. Now the the chancellor has said, uh, you know, on more than one occasion. Uh, it, the decision's been final, mm-hmm. and we're not bringing anything back, and we're not eliminating all the other reductions that we've done because we need to cut right. our expenses. So this is a final decision. Uh, great stuff earlier today. Henry Hinton, Trent McGee, and uh, the Talk of the Town program. Uh, our Pirate Report, we wanted to revisit some of those comments with uh, ECU Director of Athletics, John Gilbert. We'll take a timeout. We'll come back. Uh, more of the Patrick Johnson Show, some of the other news of the day. And uh, in our next half hour, Brian Mull talking uh, golf, some COVID uh, tests uh, turning out positive uh, for uh, players and caddies. So we'll get into all that. Patrick Johnson Show continues here on this Tuesday. All right, uh, 521. Uh, great uh, interview with John. Boy, that covered a lot of ground, didn't it? Uh, ben Byram uh, is uh, producing uh, today. Uh, and uh, we've got, uh, I, I don't know if the storms are going to make it uh, quite where we are. Uh, let's see here. 86 right now with uh, fair skies. They are talking uh, about a 30% chance of rain tonight for the Greenville area, 72. Uh, 40% chance of rain tomorrow. So a lot of this has come down. Uh, Friday, now no chance of rain and a high near 90. So uh, the uh, forecast has improved quite a bit. There, there could be some storms uh, during the day on uh, Thursday. That's the best shot, uh, kind of like uh, tomorrow, 40%. But uh, so far... Uh, uh, where they've had some nasty storms to the west and south of uh, Pitt County. Um, it is, and, and some flooding rains, too, especially along uh, the beaches. Uh, that is a good thing that uh, that's not made its way uh, here. Uh, so that is uh, your forecast uh, update uh, for this uh, Tuesday, final day of the month of uh, June. And what a, what a f- several, what, three-and-a-half-month uh, stretch it's been. Uh, I thought John Gilbert was being optimistic when he talked about fans in the stands 
that sounds like an idea that they are really wanting to push and he feels like they have to push. Uh, so I would say, you know, season tickets are probably the way to go to ensure that you'll be in there because I, I don't think it's going to be any single game sales or day of the game sales, at least initially. And uh, they're planning on letting students in, it sounds like. And if you're going to social distance the students, especially early on, uh, social distance all the uh, season ticket holders to that point and um, any of the others that you'll have their family members, visiting opponents. Uh, I mean, I know it seats several 50,000 or whatever, but I mean, that you, you start spreading people out and uh, it'll be, be kind of tough to get uh, a certain amount in there, but uh, we'll see. We will see. Uh, I, I, I am less optimistic about there being games with fans in some cases. But I, I just I think even again with the P6 or excuse me the P5 model so-called P5 model where they get all the TV uh, money uh, a lot of what they do especially in the ACC for example uh, UNC and, and state it's based on ticket sales they've got to have people in the stands that's a big part of their model not just in football but in basketball and, and to a degree some of the other sports so uh, we shall see there's a lot of news that is uh, broken today uh, Ben Byram with. Uh, an update on what's going on now. Uh, and then come back to me, Ben, and we'll go over uh, some Twitter stuff. Uh, and uh, I know you've put together a Boston montage of calls on Cam Newton. I think we've got time for it. You want to do that now or after the update? Let's save we'll it for it after. After. The, after. We'll do it. Let's do it after the update. Uh, a little bit of an early update here because of our long opening drive. Uh, but this is uh, Ben Byram with uh, an update on what's going on in the world of sports. And uh, we'll get to Brian Mullen a little bit as well. So here we go. Take it away, Ben. Thanks, Patrick. Ben Byram here for your 94th of the game sports update. The Old Miss Rebels and the Charlotte 49ers have scheduled a home-and-home football series for 2026 and 2027. The Rebels will visit the Niners in 2026 and vice versa in 2027, according to footballschedules.com. The MLB has informed minor league baseball that it will not be providing its affiliated minor league teams with players for the 2020 season. As a result, there will be no 2020 minor league baseball season this year. The NBA is dealing with a COVID-19 outbreak ahead of the resumption of their season. Nets stars DeAndre Jordan and Spencer Dinwiddie have tested positive. Meanwhile, three players in the Pelicans organization have tested positive for the virus, the names of which will not be disclosed. And despite 26 players testing positive for COVID-19, the Carolina Hurricanes have returned to their home ice at PNC Arena. The team began voluntary training sessions in the second phase of the NHL's protocol. Captain Jordan Stahl addressed whether the team was concerned about their health and safety. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a little bit uh, a little bit of talk here and there, um, but um, I mean, we've gone through our first day of phase two, and um, they've taken it uh, um, quite seriously. And there's a lot of uh, a lot of uh, things you got to go through to make sure that uh, everyone's as safe as possible. Uh, Wrapping up in the PGA Tour, Harris English assist a positive for the coronavirus, making him the fifth PGA player to have COVID-19. The positive test was part of the pre-tournament screening process at the Rocket Mortgage Classic in Detroit. Now back to you, Patrick. I just want to be clear. When you said 26 players have tested positive regarding their, not on the hurricane. That was league-wide. That's on me, league-wide. Yeah. That would be the whole roster if it were 20, I was about to say. No Canes in the playoffs. Stall the only one that showed up. Uh, but no, it was uh, 26 uh, NHL players. But uh, as far as we know, none from the uh, 
from uh, your Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, a number of players have decided to sit out the MLB season. Do you see this, Ben? Uh-huh. Ryan Zimmerman, Joe Ross of the Nationals, Mike Leak of the Diamondbacks, Ian Desmond of the Rockies uh, have all said they're not going to play. I, I, We might see more of this. We and, might very well see more of this. And some guys are even citing reasons outside of COVID-19. Some are like, I don't want to be around, away from my fans for the, um, not fans, family for that long, you know? Yeah. In the yeah. case of Ian Desmond, of course, he sprinkled a little bit of other things in there that didn't make sense, but. Well, I mean, it's, you know, he's right. Uh, you know, some, somebody, if they're concerned about their health or, or family members' health or children's health, they, they shouldn't have to, to go in if they're not essential and. I think baseball has proven that perhaps uh, at the MLB level, a lot of those guys are not essential. Wait a minute. Where's the crickets? <laughs> Play the crickets. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that, that's a bummer about the minor league baseball. Uh, we have a ton of teams here in the state and you know the Wood Ducks to our south. Uh, I know a lot of the college wooden bat guys are playing, but I feel for guys like Burley, um, and others. I mean, even guys that played a little bit last year, they only have that one year in the minors under their belt. Uh, that's, that's a tough thing. And, uh, I'm, I'm kind of shuddered to think what minor league baseball might look like in a lot of places next year or what it may not look like. Uh, Ben, you have, uh, poll results from our Cam Newton Twitter poll. I do. I do. What did that turn out as, uh, from yesterday? Okay, so we asked, how does Cam Newton's 2020 season in England turn out? We had Super Bowls option, playoffs, no playoffs, or cut slash bench. The winner was playoffs with 53.3%, followed by a tie with cut slash bench and Super Bowl with 13.3%. Wow. Actually, I got that wrong. Followed by no playoffs with 20%, and then the last is the tie with 13.3% with cut slash bench and Super Bowl. So the overwhelming majority thinks they're going to go to the playoffs. But it's only like 53%, right? And I say only 53% because I don't think in that AFC East, I'm not sure you could say right now that New England is the best team. Buffalo. I would say Buffalo. I think think Buffalo has a great shot to be the best team. But, you know, with the expanding playoffs, there's a chance they'll, they'll get in. I mean, you cannot sleep on New England. And I think it's a better than half a percent shot. I think the... The Twitter responders were okay. We'll have a new Twitter poll to update you on uh, before the end of the show. So keep that in mind. At 943, the game. Well, Ben says it's ready now. What is that, Ben? We asked, will you miss the minor league baseball season this season? Yes or no? Simple yes okay. or no. So far, right. 50% split right down the mid- middle. So so there's some that, that don't care about the minor league. The, the thing about minor league baseball uh, in – a lot of towns. Well, I mean, look what it did. It, it basically has rejuvenated a part of Durham, and you could argue has led to an even bigger renaissance in, in that city with uh, the Bulls. And, and I would say similar-sized, you know, big towns that maybe aren't major city towns uh, that they where they have minor league baseball. I mean, it, that minor league park and the team, in some cases, kind of becomes the central part of a, a downtown revitalization. You know, there's a little bit of that. I mean, the stadium in Charlotte's very cool. Kannapolis has this gorgeous new stadium that they had just built, and they were going to have uh, – they've actually been having 
uh, you know, opening some concessions once restaurants could start to open so they could provide some food. Uh, they were doing a thing where they were letting, because it's right there kind of in the middle of their town. They were letting people come out and walk around the perimeter, you know, the uh, the outfield catwalk type of thing in the, uh, at the stadium, uh, the mezzanine level, if you will. They were selling some beer and doing that. So, I mean, that that's proved to be a pretty popular thing. I uh, don't know if that's, you know, which I know in Granger over the weekend, they held that senior send-off set of games for high school seniors, which I thought was a really great concept and a great thing for kids in the eastern part of the state to kind of get a chance to play their final game. That was really cool. Uh, you know, and, and, but I mean, you look at the Mudcats and they were going to have another ECU night out at Five County Stadium. Uh, but Five County's kind of, you know, in a little bit of a no man's land, but they've got a restaurant in there. They may could drum up some business like that. I, I was talking to some of their people, I think earlier today or yesterday about, you know, what they were thinking before this announcement was made. Uh, so, yeah, uh, will you miss not having a minor league baseball? It's, a, it's an affordable option for a lot of people to take their kids to a baseball game and, you know, not have to deal with excessive prices or crazy concessions. And, uh, I mean, if you have kids of a certain age, they just, they'll, I mean, they don't know the difference if they're going to a game, you know, at uh, Wrigley Field or Yankee Stadium or, or Granger Stadium. I'm talking, you know, really young kind of kids. They just know it's, they're going to a baseball game. Uh, do you want to do your, why don't we take a break? We'll get Maul on and we'll save your Boston caller montage. You have a, a, a montage of sports radio callers into Boston. I do. I do. I'm about excited. Cam, about Cam Newton, right? Yep. It's all about Cam Newton. Does this include you calling in? No, no. We're saving that for tomorrow. It's the so slow you think you're, progression every day. Oh, you're going to call tomorrow. You think? Yep. Tomorrow. Okay. For sure. Have you picked out, is it, uh, the sports hub or EEI? Or both, I'm going with EEI. They're a little bit crazier over there, so I think I can. I, think this, I, I can drum up a reaction from them. I, I, I think if you talk exactly like you're talking now, I think you'll drum up a reaction from them. Yes, <laughs> Country Elmo here. They've never heard that before. <laughs> uh boy, that that will be some tape, folks. Okay, uh, Brian Mullen, we return uh, on uh, golf. Lots of golf news to share with you. Uh, good conversation upcoming with Brian. And then we will uh, come back and uh, save some time at the end for the uh, the montage of Boston Collars into sports radio about uh, Cam Newton. Uh, that is uh, ahead. And uh, when we come back, Brian Mull on, uh, on some of the changes that got PGA uh, or the U.S. Open, making some decisions how they're going to do things. The Ryder Cup, a lot of players, te- fifth player testing uh, positive for COVID-19. Uh, all of that with Brian Mull next. Wake up with Clay Travis. Get home with the P-Man on Pitt County's home for sports. 94.3, the game. The P-Man. He's a big, dumb animal, isn't he, folks? This is the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3, the game. Caddy Network's Brian Mole joining us. Hello, B. Mole. Hello, Patrick. How are you, sir? I'm well. Uh, boy, a, a lot of things to talk about. Uh, the uh, PGA Tour rolls into Detroit, I think, for the first time ever this week, right? Uh, second. 
Okay. Second year in a row. New event last year, but yeah. Okay. Uh, this is just an event that, that has been added to the schedule in, in recent years. But but isn't Jack like the owner of the event or the host of the event? Uh, no, that, that's coming up uh, at Memorial in, in a okay. week. Okay, I thought Jack had something to do with this because there was a little hand wringing when Tiger uh, said he was not going to play in a set event late last week. So, but Jack obviously would rather Tiger be there next week. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Uh, here's we're starting to see more and more uh, players and caddies uh, test positive for uh, the coronavirus COVID nineteen. Uh, you know, it, it nobody wants to miss an event, but uh, I understand. I guess th- th- there was some a meeting with the caddies last week from the PGA uh, press. There was. Uh, they they've been meeting with players uh, or communicating with them pretty pretty regularly, but then felt like it was necessary to speak with the with the caddies. Jay Monahan was there, the commissioner, as he's been pretty much every week. I know he was in Hilton Head as well, and he, and he just. Uh, you know, they just wanted to kind of reiterate that uh, this is a privilege that they're getting, uh, being really the only American professional sports tour, you know, going from city to city into places that are potential hotspots, and they just needed to follow the protocols if, uh, if they expected to be, you know, protected in case they had to withdraw. They, they, it needed to be known that they were doing the right things, and, and I think there had maybe been a, a caddy or two that had been seen, you know, eating dinner out right, or something right. of that nature. Nothing, uh, you know, dramatic, but, uh, you know, you go a little stir crazy, uh, out on the road and six or seven nights in a row, just, uh, not, not getting out. And, uh, I think they just want to let them know that that was not part of their, you know, plan and not acceptable. And they just expected everybody to kind of keep it small groups and, uh, you know, doing everything they can to minimize the risk. You've done this job though. You mean you've been out, you've caddied on tour, and yeah. there are certain pressures that these guys face that the modern day PGA Tour professional, maybe in your day, face. But but by and large, there's a different tax bracket in in the modern PGA Tour. I can't imagine while the, while life is better for the caddies, uh, there are certain guys probably who are still, you know, th- that guy's got to make the cut. We can't have any off weeks, sort of thing. Um, yeah. So, I mean, is it unfair to put that kind of burden on guys that already have a good deal of stress over and need to blow off some steam? I don't think so. You know, I, I, I think, look, none of them were happy to be home for three months, players or caddies, regardless of whether you're talking about the, the elite guys that are on top of the FedEx Cup or the rookies who are uh, just trying to, to, you know, earn some status and make a living. So they're, they're grateful, I think, you know, at the end of the day for the opportunity to be back out and, and having these tournaments under these, these new conditions. And I think because of that, you know, they have to understand that, look, it's different for everybody. Everything's different wherever you go, whatever you do. And uh, they they just have to accept that, uh, you know, they have to follow these rules. They have to do what they can to minimize it. And they have to, they all, we all have to accept that there's going to be some positive cases, but they just are trying to, like everyone else, avoid a hotspot outbreak. 
Brian Mull's got uh, his latest uh, fantasy picks and power rankings and analysis on the Caddy Network for the Rocket Mortgage Classic coming up later in the week. Uh, we've linked it to uh, via our social media and my personal social media, uh, so you can check it out there. He's got Harold Ver- Varner uh, third in his uh, top 25 uh, golfer power rankings, so uh, Pirate fans can uh, check that out. Uh, we appreciate uh, Brian Mull from the Caddy Network and other outlets uh, being on here with us. Ryder Cup has been moved to 2021, uh, and I guess that makes sense because of the. I mean, that that's the one you gotta you gotta have the fans there. I mean, that's the one you're playing yeah. for the fans, right? Absolutely. Uh, I mean, I was thinking last night about what baseball is going to be like. You know, two strikes on the ninth, bases loaded, quiet stadium. But you know, Ryder Cup, same thing. Coming down the stretch huge home court advantage, if you will, for the for the host country. But honestly, it was the Europeans who were pushing to postpone it. They need the money, but they need the gate as well, if you yeah. understand. Yeah. You know, what I need it's a big the European tour has certainly not prospered like the American tour in recent years, to the point that there were even some discussions of whether the PGA tour, you know, it should fall under the PGA tour's umbrella and uh, therefore have its financial support. So that this is a huge moneymaker for the European PGA Tour every couple of years. It's obviously a bigger one when they host it, but even in the other, in the other year where it's in America. So they, uh, they need people there. They need people there buying merchandise. They yeah. need all the revenue possible generated. And uh, it's, it's a tough decision, but it just uh, – it's become such a – such an anticipated event, and nobody likes to see it postponed. But it's become such a, well, you know, I, I, a, a I, raucous I, environment, so different than every other week. And it's bad for the U.S. that it's postponed this year. I think because right now, I mean, out the first three weeks back, the American players are playing fantastic. They are, yeah, they are. Uh, Webb Simpson, uh, certainly a lock to be on the team, and Dustin Johnson, and then Daniel Berger is a guy who was in consideration a few years ago uh, before he had some injuries, and then certainly Bryson DeChambeau with three top tens and, and the way he's just mauling the golf ball and uh, overpowering these, these golf courses. Uh, you know, Justin Thomas has had a couple of top tens. Our team, the American team was looking very, very solid. And the European team was going to have a few question marks. Some of their guys are, uh, you know, have aged out and uh, just, or just haven't played as well. And they're kind of in a, in a transitional period with that anyway. So yeah, from you know, the Americans would have been pretty heavy favorites. Of course, they've been pretty heavy favorites yeah. before. But, you know, the home team generally has has held serve in that thing, uh, you know, more times than not in the last 15 years. Brian Mull with us, uh, Caddy Network, other outlets, at BG Mull on Twitter. Let me ask you this. When um, you look at what they've done with the U.S. Open field, now they're playing it in September, uh, but they've cut it, what, down a dozen players? Yes, uh, of daylight. Yeah, are you fine with that? I am, yeah. Uh Logistically, you know, as you you start to you know the days start started getting shorter a week ago, and um, you know as you get into that time of the year, you just don't have any wiggle room. Uh, you know, in the summer they're teeing people off at six fifty or seven o'clock, first tee time, and just running them through you know until the afternoon, and uh, doesn't give you any type of leeway if there's any type of weather delay the first couple of rounds. So. That's what they had to do. But I think what they've also done is that they're trying to make the field as representative, you know, in the absence of qualifying, they're trying to make it as representative as they can of a typical U.S. Open field by 
granting exemptions and opportunities to people from the Corn Ferry Tour and the PGA Club Pros and, and the folks that through the years have generally qualified, you know, uh, for the U.S. Open. So it's not just going to be another PGA Tour event. For some, uh, the U.S. Open also with another kind of victory this week. They go back to NBC, uh, Fox uh, essentially divorcing the PGA and uh, here we go. It, it's back on a network that I think has always done a, a really good job of golf. I mean, a lot of people love CBS, and rightfully so. I think NBC does a great job on golf. They've all, they've been solid. You know, Dan Hicks is very underrated. Lives in Jim Nance's shadow. You sure. know, I've discussed that before. Yeah. I mean, yeah. he's, a, he's a solid host and put up with Johnny Miller for all those years. So. <laughs> um, and you know, it's a more traditional coverage with NBC, and uh, I think Fox did bring some good aspects to it uh all of their talent i wasn't necessarily in in agreement with but i did like uh you know they, they were outside the box with some of their drone footage and the way they talked about the architecture of the golf course and they kind of went a little a little bit deeper uh guys like brad faxon and curtis strange were certainly a big asset to their broadcast so uh you know it, nbc can handle it uh they've got a great lineup now when you look at the you know the events that they do have the players and the Ryder Cup and, and 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 certainly now having the U.S. Open again. I mean, they've got a really solid the FedEx Cup playoffs. They have a really really solid roster of of big time golf events. I mean, you know, you look at these next starting in you know a few weeks. I mean, we're we're, we're looking at just unbelievable yeah uh, calibers. You know, fields basically every week uh, for for a few months there with the, with the major championship. Brian Mull uh, with us uh, here. Anything else uh, you know out of this uh, last uh, three w- few weeks or last week that uh, that stands out or that you want to make mention of? Uh, would you you know we, we've got people testing positive or, or people close to the players testing positive. Uh, are you still feeling pretty good about the way the PGA tours handled themselves? I am. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, it's a, when you look at the number of tests they administered and how many positives there've been, it's an extremely low rate, way less than 1%. And, uh, to me, you know, knowing the zoo that it can be out there on Tuesdays and Wednesdays with instructors and fitness people and nutrition coaches and this and that, <laughs> I, I think they they could restrict that even more so. Yeah. And, 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 you know, and that might be something they could look into in tightening their bubble just a bit where it's strictly essential personnel, meaning players and caddies and not too many others. Uh, you just, you know, you can't eliminate it all. You're going to have girlfriends and wives and family members coming out. And I understand that's part of it, but, you know, they just – They've got to be super careful, and, and they've all got to be willing to live with uh, possible, you know, positives and, and uh, you know, understand what they have to do. I mean, the majority of the guys who have tested positive have been asymptomatic, but, um, you know, that's just, uh, that's just kind of nature of this thing we're dealing with. Brian, uh, great stuff, man. I appreciate your time. Okay. Thank you, Patrick. Have a great, great day. There he goes. Uh, Brian Mull with uh, the Caddy Network. Great uh, article out. Uh, he's got uh, – his player power rankings and HV3 uh, is in uh, his top 25 for the uh, week. Uh, so we appreciate Brian being with us. Uh, we'll take a, a timeout when we come back. Uh, we will uh, hear a, a beautiful montage of uh, Boston sports callers uh, into various radio stations in uh, the Boston market about Cam Newton signing. Uh, I've just been promised it's pretty glorious. Ben has probably spent more time on this than he has any project we've ever given him. So uh, Ben Byron will, will present that when we come back on the Patrick Johnson Show. 
Patrick Johnson. I think he's a hedonist and an overblown grandstander. This is the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. Taking your way in the world today takes everything you've got. This is the uh, theme from Cheers, which was uh, set in Boston and considered one of the great uh, comedies and great TV shows of all time, uh, for its era especially. Uh, speaking of TV, Curb Your Enthusiasm, renewed for an 11th season. How about that, Ben? I'm excited about that. What? No, so you, that'll be back. You're going to hate me back for this? I haven't seen either of those shows. Well, that's I, I wouldn't think you would. Where this is this is not a segment right now booked for you. It will be in a second, okay? Um, <laughs> Ozark on Netflix announced their uh, final season. It'll be a fourteen episode season that'll be divided into two halves. So their fourth season, the third season got a because that was at the start of the uh, pandemic is when it came out. So a lot of people it had the most uh, or its largest I guess audience streams that the series had had. And then people went back and kind of started from the beginning. Um, our poll, as it was announced earlier, that there will be no minor league baseball this year. Will you miss minor league baseball? 58% of those that have responded have said yes. 42% uh, say no so far. A little odd. But uh, we will uh, give you the update on that tomorrow. Vote at 943 the game. Do you have uh, this montage of callers into Boston Sports Radio about Cam Newton ready? I'm ready to go. All right. Uh, this is... Uh, well, I, I basically set it up, so let it rip. Let's hear what they had to say. Hello, guys. There is no downside here, so I don't care what you... I, that's my opinion. And now you have the best quarterback in the division instead of having the third or fourth best quarterback. You, know, you want to see a show. Who the hell wants to see rebuilding? Oh, I'm fired up. It's great. I mean, Hoyer, nice guy. His body of work, kind of trash. Stidham doesn't really have a whole body of work. Dan Newton, there's a proven track record. He is good. He has shown that MVP caliber status. No one can replace the GOAT, but I don't know. It's it's exciting. Designing plays at, like with two quarterbacks or maybe subbing quarterbacks out like Taysom Hill and Drew Brees. He's not, not a he's gimmick not quarterback. He's not he's Cordell Stewart. MVP. He's not Cordell Stewart. For God's sakes. <laughs> this guy's different. a quarterback. That's a trick, trick play, you know, guy you want to put in there. Isn't it? Wouldn't it be Super ah. Bill S to bring in the best guy on the market at a super reasonable price, incentive-laden deal, and then week one be like, Jared Stidham has the job. I told all you guys I had the guy, and then not have to pay Cam Newton. And I kind of wonder if last week when we got the news that Stidham went down to Texas after he's been practicing with these guys, if that's when they had the deal done and they let him know. So he was like, okay, I can go on this vacation now. <laughs> And I'm guessing that's just a sampling. That's just a sample. <laughs> so is the plan for you tomorrow to call Boston Sports Radio to give your opinion on Cam Newton to see if there is truly a, a northern and southern divide? Because, you know, they, they hung up on Chip Alexander talking hockey a, a few months ago. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be a dead giveaway. They're not going to be happy with this little southerner coming into their sophisticated <laughs> northerner show. <laughs> that sounded real sophisticated, Ben. That that sounded extremely sophisticated. Yeah, ain't it? <laughs> Drop one of those tomorrow. 
Uh, great job uh, putting that together. Also, thanks to Brian Mull for being with us. We also appreciate uh, the talk of the town gang for getting us the John Gilbert audio. Uh, our uh, podcast at 943 uh, The Game, actually 943thegame.com is where you need to go to download it. Uh, Adler Augustine, the new volleyball coach at ECU tomorrow and more. 